Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Holy Shoot Wrestling Podcast, a podcast that is all about the world of professional wrestling. I'm your host, Broderick, and joining me on today's show is Jason. How are you doing, Jason? Yeah, good to be here. Good evening, Brod. I was tempted yep. to do the whole show where I call you Brad and convince you're Brad Shepard. But <laughs> imagine if uh, I did that to you. I would have accepted Brad Pitt, you know, Oscar winner, uh, uh, John Morrison wannabe after uh, that weird dirt sheet segment on SmackDown that I just saw, actually. Uh, I would have accepted Brad Pitt, but Brad Shepard? No, thank you. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um, speaking of asses, how, how are you doing, Jason? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, it's a, we are recording this middle of the week. It's a nice enough eating i've left the wife downstairs she's what she's found evangelion um was it uh, some classic old anime at the moment on netflix alongside the studio ghibli stuff so she's kept ready for the foreseeable future so i can do this podcast and i've got a beer on the side ready to crack open uh, i do not have any beer on me so what a sad day to be alive anyway uh on today's episode of holy shoot this is uh gonna be kind of a different format uh for once, I'm conducting the interviews, and for once, Jason is the interviewee. Uh, if you're not aware on the podcast over the past couple of weeks, um, Jason has released a book called uh, Women Love Wrestling, which is available on Amazon and on Kindle. So uh, you can have it on paperback or download it. So, Jason, first question to you. What brought you to create this book? Well, yeah. Let me do the let me do the quick spiel first, so we can get that in. Yes, and please do. So, yeah, do I, I, uh, this is the second time we've, we've tried to record this, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. So, if I sound a little lethargic, it's because we're running through like the first fifteen minutes again, and I completely forgot to do the spiel. How unprofessional! <laughs> That's all right. I've got I've got used to this now. So yeah. So, women love wrestling. Is anthology of women and professional wrestling. It is a book that I created, edited and co-wrote alongside a very talented team. Um, the, the majority of the people that wrote for this book are women. Uh, it is a mix of wrestlers, promoters, podcasters, PhDs, culture critics and fans. And it covers a wide range of topics, um, you know, including the history of women's wrestling and modern, more topical um, examples, some of them are personal stories, some of them are proper like academic studies and looking deep into the, the key things that happen in the world of wrestling. So there's a lot going on in there. You can get it on Amazon worldwide on Kindle format. So that's going to cost you in the US less than five. Hello? Five pounds. And yeah, on, on physical format, it's a bit more and it varies again. Um, you right there, bro? You cut out for a second. Oh, right in the middle of my spill. I think I think I'm doing all right. I, I sounded okay, so I'll carry on. Um, yeah. Just saying, yeah. So yeah, so make on Kindle art for like five bucks, and then there's a physical version as well if you'd rather have that. It does look like it's a nice physical book. It's a three hundred book. But yeah, that's the. And if you want to just learn more about the book and the project, that's all on womenlovewrestling.net. and I'll repeat all that later. 
I got that in first. But yeah, in terms of the actual book, so you were sort of saying, how did this book come to be? And it was actually a lot of this was down to our little podcast here, The Holy Shoot, um, because we started this back in December 2018. And then after we'd been doing it for a little while and got the hang of it, I started looking for people to interview. And the first proper interview I did with someone was Heather Vandenberg, who had re- was just getting ready to release her book, Unladylike. And I went and sat with her in a nice, cool hipster bar in London having a beer conversation talking all about her book and she was pointing out how there are no books in wrestling written by women and then later on a few months later i sat down with jackie pratt mainly because i love her band cheap pop who do really cool songs about wrestling it's a great album that they did you should check out on spotify yeah so they're, they're called cheap pop and um, she also is a very very clever person she's put the best example of like someone writing about wrestling what I think is out there and really studying it on a very highbrow level including writing part of her dissertation on intergender women's hardcore independent wrestling which is an amazing sort of thing she's written like 50 pages about this young bucks versus the world's cutest tag team match and we were talking and afterwards she was saying you know there's probably a, there's probably a book out there there's a book that you could we could work on what we could both like be a part of and unfortunately, no one else was doing it. So I felt, actually, this is a project I could take on. And I just started researching and looking for people that I thought would be interesting to write for the book. And it kind of just grew from there, really, in terms of finding people to write for it. And eventually, we had it done. Very, very interesting. So and that leads me to like a couple of questions. Um, so I might just bombard you right from the off. Uh, so... Like, why women's wrestling is a topic? And also, was it like approaching the... What was it like approaching the topic of women's wrestling and being a male editor? Do you think that was, like, a challenge? Because in some instances, you know, um, in society, that could appear condescending. So did you feel that was a challenge? I was very aware of that, yeah. And, you know, why women's wrestling, I think... Especially, I love reading books about wrestling. I've read all the ones you'd expect, and some of the lesser-known ones are fascinated by not just the actual like in-ring side, but also just the business and the politics and the history as well. So, sort of getting into that, and the women's wrestling thing was just something that just sort of evolved. Like I said, talking to Heather, she said, "There's no one out there really doing this," and then talking to Jackie and realizing how amazing her work was, and it just led me to following more. And I think I just it slowly grown my Twitter universe to include more women that were talking about wrestling, and it just sort of built out of that and i thought okay i'll start with a list and i will approach like these 10 people and from there i'll see who are they following who follows them reach out to more of those people to end up with like quite a large list and then i'll contact all those people via generally via dm and just see who's interested in working on the project but yeah i was very aware that look here i am straight white man talking to all you women about wrestling and you should all write about wrestling and i know everything and that's like really annoying i can imagine that if i'd come across like that so i had to be very careful in terms of making it clear that this was a group project i was trying to bring women together to work on it i wanted women to be the main contributors and talk about women's wrestling and in the i think in the dms that i was sending i made it quite clear that look i'm not a strange person i think i said look i'm a normal person um yes yeah, so I, I sent this um 
don't want to include links to my Instagram and to the Watch Wrestling London meetup group, which has hundreds of people in it, which in theory would prove that I'm a real person. Moving beyond that, and uh, like a huge part of this book is um, what could be described as almost a feminist agenda. Um, so you and I obviously believe in gender equality and all walks of life, economically, politically, socially, so on and so forth. Um, but was women's wrestling something you always endorsed, both in terms of everyday life and professional wrestling, or was this something you grew into as an opinion? And by extension, would you describe yourself as a feminist? I mean, I think feminist is a weird word, right? Because I think we understand what that word actually means. Not every guy does. And some men think when you say you're a feminist, it means you think women deserve more or special treatment compared to men. And that's not what feminism really is. It's just that you think women should be treated equally to men makes you a feminist, which hopefully is most people, but obviously not because that's the way the world is. It's kind of like saying, you know, I'm not a racist because I think people should be treated equally. And some people would be like, well, that makes you really weird when you sort of play it that way. It's, sort of, it's a different way of looking at it. But yeah, feminism is a weird one. But yeah, but being honest, um, I'm old enough to enjoy the attitude era when I was a teenager and that was a very different era for women's wrestling and like most young boys watching wrestling back then I wasn't thinking about the amazing work great it was a man model of let's get some models and fitness you know fitness models and playboy sort of playmates men can look at them and that's what it was back then and sort of have to be honest and say that's what I sort of knew but if I'd been in Japan I would have been watching badass women for the past 10 years have amazing matches. We just didn't have that reach back then because as some younger people may not realize, we didn't all have the amazing internet during the 90s. You know, that was a sort of late 90s thing where we started getting decent internet. So we didn't have that reach. So I never had that. For me, I think it was what really got me more into women's wrestling was two things. One was Paige turning up on WWE Raw and you know being a Brit and seeing like this British girl come out and suddenly be pushed really hard, really quick. And similarly, we eventually got the network in the UK. We didn't have the network at launch, but when we got the network and we could watch NXT, you saw like basically the fourth women matches in NXT in this completely un-WWE product, but it really opened things up for me. And that's when you got to really appreciate wow here's Paige she's really good in the ring and she's British so you like her automatically these are amazing women in the WWE development world and from there you start realizing you go to the indie events more and you learn about Eve and so on but I reckon Paige is like quite an important figure for a lot of people like myself yeah I, I would second that I remember when Paige burst onto the scene on Raw and I always heard like great things about her in NXT and I, I kind of watched NXT slightly on off because it used to be on Sky it's kind of a background thing for me um, but I remember Paige coming up and I was like oh she's pretty cool and just seeing what women like her and AJ Lee and uh, you know some women before that like Michelle McCall and Mickey James you know putting the effort in uh, when I was growing up and uh, you know I'm a ruthless aggression guy as you know um, so yeah yeah I, th I think but Paige is that turning point and I think we can both agree on that but it just leads me on to my next question. Um, 
you know, considering everything that's happened in the past few years, did you ever expect women to main event WrestleMania, main event pay-per-view events, uh, have Royal Rumble matches, a tag division, all, all sorts of stuff that we didn't even think of like six, seven, eight years ago? Well, I think if we, if we go back to the attitude, like, at least during that period when it was like the models, the things that I remember standing at back then were Lita and China. And I guess those were they were very much pushing the envelope back in the day. And you know, Lita and Trish had the first ever women's Raw main, and that was what around the year two thousand, from what I remember. I'm trying to remember that date. And then, kind of not much for a long time. So to get to where we are now, where women are so like popular, and I think I was a big Becky Lynch fan for a long time because I loved her steampunk gimmick. But there's no way I expected her to like and end up mainly inventing WrestleMania. It was and it was great, you know, because we were there live. That was great, that historic event where women finally headline a WrestleMania. But I never thought that they would have let that happen. I didn't think I guess I didn't think a woman would have been able to get over to the extent that Vince Brown would have allowed them to be in the main event. I'm wondering, is it partly the failure of male sort of main eventers that helped that out? But it's still great that the women sort of showed no this is how it's done. And where would have, they earned that main event, and they definitely deserve to be there. So that, that I, mean, I don't know. I think you know you were there with me watching that, and we were amazingly into that, as was most of the crowd, despite it being midnight. Uh, yeah, I think um, you know WrestleMania. We can bang on about that experience, but listen to one of our previous pods. Uh, you know, it's a terrific, uh, terrific example of how people got behind a female wrestler. Becky Lynch was the most popular person there. Uh, and, um, you know, I think she is a trendsetter going forward. So, uh, like about like mainly in pay per views and having a women's tag team division, I don't think mm-hmm. anyone would have expected that a few years ago. It's amazing that that's sort of how that's how that's just taken off. No, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that you know, I, I didn't think women should main event like back in 2012. I mean, admittedly, I was what. 2019 having that stupid opinions like some teenagers already 20 people are capable of now and again no offense to those listening but it's kind of like you know ah, you don't see it and it's ridiculous because you know and it's ridiculous in other sports as well you consider like female tennis players uh they've been dominating the game for like 60 70 years it's crazy serena williams billy jean king you got all sorts of female Olympians doing incredible stuff. Uh, UFC, Ronda Rousey, one of the main eventers at WrestleMania. You know, she changed the game in MMA, and she's a huge reason why I, I watch MMA. Uh, and so it's crazy for me to think about even having that opinion, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm one of those people that completely did a U-turn on that. Um, so I'm very behind women's wrestling. So I got to say, I'm a huge fan of the book and it's a tremendous accomplishment to get all these female voices together. Um, so say that I'm a casual reader, like the person who tunes into the old SmackDown compared to the average hardcore resident who watches the NXTs and their AWs. My first question about this book is what are your favorite chapters? I, do, I just want to know. I mean, it, my favourite chapters, they sometimes vary depending on what mood I'm in. I mean, the ones that I really enjoyed was the um, the one on queer villainy, mainly because of how much I love Elgin Dream, and I'm a big fan of Alistair Black as well. And one of our teams, Shannon, 
and worked on that. And it's like, like again, that was something which already existed. I went and you know found that was one of the things I researched and asked. We used an academic point of view, and I wanted to check if we could agree with her to update it and include it. And she said, "Yeah, that's great." And she was the last actual um, we included in the book. It was one of the last, the last thing I added as I was going to print. That one's a favourite. Um, I enjoyed the chapter on which compares Shakespeare to professional wrestling, just because I love mm-hmm. the style of prose that uh, Masani, I can never pronounce her name, but you know, I'll murder it and feel really bad. But Masani Nene is like, it's a brilliant chapter that she wrote. And of course, Jackie Pratt's work because she builds like a, basically as if you're arguing against her in court. And for why she's making her point and just sort of pummeled you and makes you by the end of it passionately believe everything she said but it's i think it changes some days i prefer other book other chapters i mean be interested what you what ones are you what are you fans of? oh so i absolutely love the queer villain one i thought that was terrific i love the stories from heather brandenburg and sarah the rebel just you know again more about independent wrestling the interview with uh, emily and dan reed and just a lot of stuff I didn't even consider about like women's wrestling, the physical aspect of it. But I think what I really love about this book, Jason, is not only is this mainly a collection of female uh, voices, but even the male ones are like promoting of um, gender equality. But it, it's more than just it's more than just like a call to feminist arms. Almost, it's a it's a book that promotes diversity and expresses the challenge of diversity from like queer issues to racial issues, you know? And I think having these voices that are not just championed in that agenda, uh, but to be female voices as well, the often forgotten voice in professional wrestling is something significant. And I think that's why for me, I, when I say it's a tremendous accomplishment here, I genuinely mean it. So let me ask a similar question. Um, what do you th- what chapters do you think are a great gateway into the topic of women's wrestling? We know this book is primarily for wrestling fans, but let's say you want to extend beyond that audience. Which ones would you say, these are the chapters, essays, thought pieces that you need to read? I guess and um, that, kind of ties into the structure of the book as well in some ways where i very much realized how does this work for a non-wrestling fan or a more casual fan how do you start the book in a way that they'd be able to get into it and the first chapter is sarah parkin's chapter all about how women have always been wrestling fans and it it's more because anyone who picks up the book will probably be like oh i've heard of shana I've heard maybe of Shane right now because of like there's some sort of drama around it. Oh, I'm aware of the Total Divas TV show, but that's not wrestling. So when you when you read this chapter as the opening one, and it tells you actually about how in the 1980s there were these Japanese wrestlers that were women and were pretty much treated like pop stars and drove a huge audience to come to live shows. Um, it's a great starting point, and we also use the chapter to explain a lot of wrestling so that you kind of then know what's going on in the rest of the book. So I think that's a good one just to make you understand if you're going out there. And then I guess the other one is to then make it completely flip how you think about wrestling fans. 
wrestling fans are, I guess, us on this podcast, right? Just like two guys who like wrestling talking about it. And um, Scarlett Harris, who's this great Australian critic, who's actually working on her own wrestling book that's coming out next year, just so it's something to look out for. But she did an actual, quite an in-depth piece. She went and interviewed quite a few people from around the world to understand how, what wrestling means to them and just understand how, for some people, it's made them explore gender-bending art and cosplay. Some of them like get really behind certain um, characters. Video board games, and some of them are getting involved in like customization of wrestling, and it really points out that there's a lot of like fandom that works on various levels. So when you look at those two as a gateway into the book, I think it then helps you think. It helps anyone who reads it be, oh, there's more with wrestling. I know is maybe watching it, and I'm just glancing at the TV. Yeah, I think uh, that that was going to lead me into my next question. Is like, did you have a specific order in mind? And I think that's pretty like good that you started off with that chapter. I think tonally, it's a positive one, like saying this is what women have accomplished in the past. This is what we could do uh, again and beyond, and it has been done beyond. But we'll get get more into that a little later on. Um, so it's very interesting that you mentioned how uh, the order starts. Other thing I love about this book is that it's a celebration of pro wrestling, a celebration of women in wrestling. Uh, a huge part of that is due to promotions like Eve and Shimmer. So, dumb question, but how much did you want their stories to be told? Whether it's from promoters like Emily or wrestlers like Heather and Sarah the Rebel. I approached lots of um, people in the industry. That was one of the harder things to get to get um, female wrestlers like come back to me and want to be involved. And it's probably because it's hard to get hold of them because they're, you know, they're constantly being contacted via their email for like bookings. They probably don't check the DMs because they know the kind of crap they're going to get from a certain audience. So it's hard to get all the women that I'd love to get involved. So Sarah and Heather Bandenberg involved in it. But um, yeah, Dan and from Eve, I made sure I had to follow up with them a couple of times. I was very much on the in terms of making sure I can get them involved because I felt they were going to be so key to have involved in this book. And the fact that I got to sit down with them for an hour and just interview them and get all their feedback. I probably make that into a future episode. It's hard to tie into like, you know, one that, for the pod in the future where I try and edit that together into something usable. Mm. But we talked for an hour. And stuff I told them because I think you alluded to earlier, stuff I hadn't thought about when Emily says, you know, about women's training and the things you mm. have to be aware of and why it's, why it's different for women compared to men. Their uterus and they can have problems giving birth in the future and they have to be aware of like the fact that there will be different pressure on their bladder compared to men and just, just stuff like that. You don't think about they're involved in training of women and you're like, all right, there's a lot more to consider here that I hadn't thought about. Yeah, no, I absolutely loved that interview with the Reed. So, um, you know, they quoted instances when it came to training and women, how they get involved. So, like, stuff like who's John Cena to the likes of Glow and Total Divas being mentioned a couple of times of how women get involved in the business. So, a couple of questions. Do you think a platform like eve where tough women are celebrated is a gateway for women into something that they may have never considered and moreover would you consider shows like glow and total divas 
whilst not the most accurate portrayals of professional wrestling, um, essential to draw more women to this art form. I mean, I'll, I'll take them in reverse order just because um, it comes across in, I think, some of the chapters in the book and just from talking to the writers. But I don't like reality TV and stuff like Total Divas. But quite a few women said that they did how they discovered wrestling. And they were just something trashy to watch. And they watched Total Divas or Total Bellas. And they were watching these like interesting women talking about their lives and seeing some clips. And from there, they want to watch that or like Raw or go to a live and then go to a live indie event and go to a live WE show and really become invested in the product. So those shows have actually done quite a lot for bringing women and then glow as well and when you, when you talk to eve talk to like emily and dan impact in terms of bringing women to their shows because it's a very similar kind of vibe in terms of like some while eve can be quite hard hitting and like it's real wrestling they don't mind having a bit of fun they don't take themselves too seriously in terms of some of the shows more what they do so when i interviewed them for glow cause a lot of people want to write that even got them a lot of press coverage because it was like the UK model equivalent. And that in turn got women interested because Glow was a really good TV show. And that brought people to Eve shows and just got them coverage in the press and grew their business. So those both, like Glow, I'm a big fan. I think it's a brilliant show. And I that brought people in. But I'd never thought that people would be watching the Total Divas type shows. And that was actually bringing women in and making them become like proper hardcore wrestling fans. Yeah, I'd never really considered Total Divas either, but you know, um, I remember an old uni housemate uh, when like mentioning like the Bella Twins to me, just out of complete context, and she loved reality TV. Is like, just went, "Hey, Brad, I think they're like professional wrestlers," and I'm like, "Wow." It, it actually gets more people interested in like wrestling, you know, or at yeah. least like they go, well, you know, I know professional wrestling a bit more because of it. I went on a date with a, a girl uh, last week and she's, she found out that I did this podcast about professional wrestling. And she was just like, I gotta be honest. I knew, I didn't even know it was like fake quote unquote um, <laughs> until I, um, <laughs> that's very important until I watched glow. And I was like, really? Even like 2020, that that still surprises me. Uh, so you know, like these these platforms are very good at drawing like female attention to this sport, I suppose. So speaking about like celebratory aspect of uh, wrestling, um, you mentioned Chloe Warner Harris's chapter earlier, but is there anything else that you would want to mention that is a huge part of that celebrate that, that is a celebratory aspect of women's wrestling in your book? Uh, what's um, Samuel but he did an interesting I guess a selection of mini bios on the current styles of intergender wrestling and that's an interesting one just to understand that you know obviously there are some people in wrestling like Mercedes Martinez and Candy like Candice LeRae there are sort of, but there's, there's there's other names out there, and he does a good job profiling people in WE and Impact and on the indie scene, and highlights how much these women are achieving. So I, I think that's a that's a good positive story. Um, I don't know, did you read the Brian like, match, Little Boys, um, and accomplished novice takes on Yoshi? 
yeah i i read the entire book so that's a that's an insane chapter like when i got that from joseph like he's getting one of our phds and he wrote that and he wrote it in such a like a rant but he just goes all over the place and i was like he did i can't edit this i kind of love it but it's crazy and it's just a really nice chapter to read because it's just like him like like saying look this is how we appreciate it and i'm angry at all of you but let's all love it and by the end of it i mean he's like i mean i'm in tears watching this it's so good when i watch this wrestling so it's nice to have that very approach to talking about how he enjoys watching like japanese star wrestling it's so bizarre yeah yeah no i uh, <laughs> i absolutely agree and it's uh great that you brought on uh the topic of intergender wrestling because that's one i want to touch about so this is a divisive topic and this is one i i gotta be honest i'm not a huge fan of intergender wrestling uh but a lot of your writers in this book are so from espn's Haley grossman's terrific piece of equal fights movement to say samuel Preston's current starts of intergender wrestling this is like a topic of positive passion so just to quote two of your writers before i ask my question heather brandenburg wrote i hope my son grows up to be slightly terrified of women and know that they can kick his ass because i think if more women see these role models like becky lynch beating the shit out of someone bigger than her the problem will solve itself uh which is a great great quote and uh from Haley grossman's like kind of interview or quoting from uh kimberly i forgot what her um first her real name is but on the independence scene she was kimberly uh yes it's cool that they're making the women look like somebody who could be in that intimidating but for someone like me who works places where you see full length matches of women really given time and a chance to put in some effort it's a little disappointing this is in reference to like matches like becky lynch versus uh james ellsworth or Oscar versus james ellsworth Still, intergender wrestling remains the biggest fight, the biggest cause of a career, Frank Lely says. Maybe the reason everything lined up in the universe like this is because I'm supposed to go out there and make intergender an even bigger thing. And then I'm going to come back and be one of the people that wrestles the dudes in WWE. Never say never. Given what Paul Levesque, aka Triple H, has said on the matter, should we say never say never? And considering you do not see women's and men colliding, in other sports, should intergender wrestling be legitimized by the number one promotion in the world, WWE? So I don't think WWE is ever going to fully embrace intergender wrestling. I think they are very interested of two things. One is the potential just PR backlash from men's violence on women, because we have to remember America is still a very conservative country when it comes to those kind of things and seeing it a certain way. And the other thing is the Chris Benoit situation. They still have that on their radar and the kicking they took from one of their contracted major stars, you know, basically murdering his wife. They just, they don't much onto things. They're never going to allow it on a, on a full scale. And I think they see the value of this year's only real intergender match moment was when Becky Lynch got hit by the end of days by Baron Corbin. And the crowd reaction was nuclear to that. And Seth was able to sell huge anger and pain from having seen that done to Becky when he then attacked Baron Corbin. So they're going to have moments where they allow the violence, but it's going to be very controlled and used to their benefit. I think the nearest we got, and we were quite excited about it, was Nia Jax and Dean Ambrose being hinted at. And they cancelled that pretty quickly. So I just don't think they're going to go there. 
Yeah, I think Nia Jax would have been interesting. And, you know, she was in the men's role last year as well. Um, and, you know, we did have Santina, like, rightly or wrongly. Let's not even go there because I don't think it's worthy of our time uh, in this year's Royal Rumble. Um, I mean, for me personally, like, the reason why I'm against it is not, like, the man versus woman altercation. It's, it's not that at all. It's just I look at other sports and I just go, well... That doesn't really happen, you know? Uh, like, you don't see men's tennis versus women's tennis very often. You don't see ma- male cage fighters versus women cage fighters, male boxers versus women boxers. It's just always been, like, two separate things, two separate skill sets. Um, both should be created equal without the title or gender, as we already discussed, uh, using Jackie's separate but equal status uh and trying to remove that label but for me it's just about creating the element of realism within the world of wrestling and that's why i'm against it so maybe you should try and convince me otherwise jason but i guess when you say realism as well like but what about when Rey mysterio fights brock lesnar oh no oh no i do have issues with that as well like i think it's difficult because sometimes like I, it, it's, you know, I've always been a favor of like, like pushing cruiserweights to an equal level of heavyweights. But again, like own categories, like weight categories, maybe, um, you know, like other sports. I think that makes more sense. Why isn't a cruiserweight champion the same as a heavyweight champion? Um, so that that that's that's my own little side agenda. So um, I, I kind of disagree with that, if I'm honest. Agenda is like the the hard one. I think that's the one that splits the people the most in terms of. Mm. You know, I think some of the some of the great intergender really well, and but then there are also the ones that like, there are some people that don't like it because of the, the you know the size contrast and the realism, and there's also some very lazy like matches that happen that are intergender and I mean, oh like, yeah, in terms of. Like, the woman you fly around, you fly around. I'll be a base, and we'll do the same match. There's like, there's definitely like levels as well. I absolutely agree. Um, there's like different level stuff. So, you know, like I really like that Candice Ray, Joey Ryan, Young Bucks match. Uh, so it's like I am being a bit hypocritical if I said I haven't enjoyed an intergender wrestling match. I have. I think the Becky Lynch, Baron Corbin stuff that you mentioned was fantastic. I I actually enjoyed that elements of interaction. So I think in terms of storytelling, there is an argument for it. But I'm just kind of like maybe it's because I watched other sports before I watched pro wrestling when I was a kid. So maybe I'm indoctrinated the wrong way almost. But I kind of like you know let men be men, women be women. Let's push them equally. I think that's that that's my belief. Yeah, and I think I don't think there's a right or wrong answer organizations like rev pro which have a women's championship uh not that anyone would be aware of it i wasn't aware of it until yeah. it was made an issue that's how bad it is um it, it never gets highlighted in a summer scissor card or stakes card or any of their main cards um so i do think need, more needs to be changed at say even grassroots level before it even infiltrates uh wwe further or is it more of a top-down thing yeah, because I remember being at the Rev show, 
the president where they had the New Japan guys. I'm trying to remember if that was the one last year. Yeah, yeah, that had um, that that had uh, Shibata, not Shibata, um, sorry, uh, Sonata. Yeah. No room for any women's matches. The Lucas is actually in Japan because she spends a lot of time in Japan. But she was at that show and she was basically signing merch. So <laughs> she said champion, so that's not a good sign, really. Look at it that way. Um, but yeah, like I said, you're right. It has. It seems like at the grassroots, it's just ticking boxes, showing you've got enough diversity, or you've done you've, you've done the things that are expected of you, and you have to really change it. Then you have to make yourself make the change. So that expectations change. You have to consciously say no. We are having at least two women's matches on every card, or we're not running the show. You have to sort of make those commitments. Yeah, I I agree, and I think it's mainly a PR thing, and I think it's at all levels. So you know, like WWE, at least on PR level, they have been a a proponent for change over the past five years. AEW have claimed to you know be pro quality for hiring athletes like Nyla Rose and Sonny Kiss, and yet they do nothing with them. And Ring of Honor, I mean Sonny Kiss is male wrestler, but. You know, by the by, uh, Ring of Honor has brought in a win- women of honor division, and look what happened with Kelly Klein. Uh, so, yeah. it, it, do do feel that this is just empty PR from these organisations? Um, it's not completely empty. It's just that they feel that they've done what they need to do, and they're not thinking. I think that's the situation. Like they're just not thinking big enough when it comes to WWE. Mm. Or you know, again, it's like I've done required of me and i don't really see the problem i don't think sometimes i don't think they even some of them like some of the indie companies don't realize that what they're doing is not enough they feel like they have because it's not been pointed out to them and there's not enough of a stink made about it yeah i mean i i second that and one thing that i, I mean it's one thing that i as myself didn't really consider um and there's a couple of places where it's mentioned in your book like all elite wrestling when they came out it was supposed to they were like we're going to celebrate diversity and you know, um, they haven't done the best with the women's division. Whether I'm that really, be, I'm whether really that just impressed. be, yeah, like whether that's just like unfortunate, like booking. Maybe sometimes it is a talent. Like there might be a couple of talents that aren't as good or shouldn't be in that position just yet. Um, but yeah, so it's quite fascinating. Do you think a part of it is the fact that at the top of these organizations, it is men? And your agents are men. Your creative is men. The trainers are mainly men. Is that like the big predominant issue? If you ignore, take it out of the world of wrestling and talk about this in terms of business, let's look at mm. that. And there's been numerous studies that say because you, ha- if you have a company which is primarily a like white male board or like of senior managers are all white and male. That is what you will hire. Be it, you know, so there's a, there's an unconscious bias that's happening to everyone. Like documented, but we all have them, and you have to be well aware of your unconscious bias, and you have to go against it sometimes. And that you have to have these initiatives, like you know, that make sure that you have to you know, balance your diversity, and you have to interview an actual mix of people to prevent that from happening. And I think at the top level, they're just not aware of that. And it goes to like these people all seem to get along with me. Like, so we're going to do a good job together. And we will represent everyone because we will do that because we're good people. Now you don't. 
it's just it's just human nature that's the way it works and that's been seen in numerous studies in business and it's same thing applies to wrestling companies hmm. that's a that's an interesting take uh like i i kind of feel that there has to be more of a conscious effort to address that i think like one other thing that it raises and this is probably like a more shallow point compared to what we just discussed is like, it's kind of with the idea of championships in this business. So we here at the podcast tweeted uh, Becky Lynch back in January, 2019 in her own Twitter Q and a, do you think the SmackDown women's championship should be considered the equivalent of a world championship? She responded. Yes. Only when I'm holding it. Admittedly, she was in character at the time. Uh, do you think it is up to the women themselves to elevate the standards of a division, such as what Becky Lynch did from the autumn of 2018 and what Tessa Blanchard has done in Impact? Or, again, are there more underlying issues that need to be addressed to elevate the standard of women's wrestling? Uh, I think a little bit. Becky Lynch grabbed an opportunity and mm. ran with it. If you look at AEW, Where's the opportunity for to do a Becky Lynch? Who's had that opportunity? No one's been given the opportunity that I'm aware of. Uh, so here's the thing, right? Um, just to interject, with like Becky Lynch, she wasn't really given the opportunity. I think they turned her heel, crowd went on fire, and I, the beauty of Becky Lynch as an individual is I have not seen anyone and I mean anyone since probably even CM Punk, take the ball that is handed to her and run it in for a touchdown and then run it in for a championship and then run it in for a Super Bowl victory. Like, she is like the New York Giants beating the undefeated New England Patriots, to use an American sports reference. Like, she wasn't supposed to be in the position that she's in now, but she did that herself. And do you think some women need to dare I say take influence from Becky and say no actually I'm going to I have the talent I have the tools necessary to succeed I'm going to drive this into the end zone or is, or is it a case there's still those barriers I think I mean in the on the Becky example I I, I think my you know the way I looked at that was she yes that would happen but if I, and liking Becky, she'd been sort of the fans that got behind her through social media and just from her being a good, charismatic like character. So when they tried to, when W tried to force that change, the crowd reacted so strongly because they were like, "No, you're not doing this." But that's kind of what gave her the opportunity because she established that relationship with the crowd. If the crowd hadn't reacted in such a way, maybe none of this would have happened for her. It was like that's what really sort of managed to get the highlight how popular she was. So I look at it that way and give her that credit as well. But it was because of years of work. It was it was kind of full, which didn't work. Hmm. I I I kind of disagree, and I think that undercuts the value of Becky did. But I think we could go on and uh, on about this. I mean, you know, we're both huge fans of the talent, and I I will say this. WrestleMania 35 would be a PR piece if it weren't for Becky Lynch. So that that's my that's my thoughts. Um, so one last question, um, 
from myself and then we'll do a few listener questions to lighten the mood <laughs> if there is one thing you could change about women's wrestling what would it be let me change one thing about women's wrestling uh, God, that's or, or women in wrestling i think that's a bit of a loaded question let me change one one thing so what would it be um god that's a big question isn't it in terms of like in general you straight away you go to like w- so I'd like AEW to make women a much bigger part of their product because they're meant to be the big progressive company and they've now guaranteed their TV rights coverage in the US. So they've got a secure time slot for a long time. Now's the chance where they could actually be the ones that make the real difference on a national level and really push them more. So I'd say have AEW actually establish a good women's division do do interesting things that make sense rather than what the nightmare collective whatever that was and just not really and having one women's match per show so yeah make that, make that better fair enough so just to nicely wrap things up we've got a few listener questions uh the first one is from dave in london uh he has actually got two questions what would or should the WWE men's division do to elevate to the level of the women's? And what is the next book going to be about? So the first question is like, so how do we make the divisions equal in WWE? That was the question. Um, I guess so by the what what's written down. Uh, so yeah. Um, to to make them equal, it's I guess. I think sort of thing we've been talking about, right, is mm. give, the, give the titles the same names and give the women similar TV time and chance to cut promos and have storylines that mean something rather than not. I mean, it's just a case of treat things equal in the same way that you should have a diverse group. So I yeah. said, how do you do that? And he said, what's, what's the next book going to be about? God, I don't know if I can handle doing another book. This is a lot of work. Um, it's a great project. If anything, I want to do a, a follow-up to the book in terms of releasing a second edition. And there's a couple of like additional chapters I would like to include and maybe get someone to write a foreword for the book and just do it that way where we actually say, look, okay, if you miss out on it, we've added an additional like 25 pages or something to the book now. And, so, and it's still the same price. So then we can get behind it again and hopefully get a couple of decent like bigger names as well but from the industry be it wrestlers or just you know journalists that can really get involved and write something interesting to add add to what we've already covered i think that's a uh, very good and i look forward to the second edition um so yeah from this one's from mike in sunderland my question is do you think with the rise of popularity and exposure of women's wrestling are women only promotions viable for the future or should all promotions be in quotes wrestling promotions with no regard for gender um i think women's promotions are proven that they're viable when you look at eve in the uk and the likes of stardom in japan they're just they're viable on a different level they're not trying to sell out um super bowl stadiums <laughs> it's just different but i think it's it's worthwhile allowing that separation still because it attracts a different a different audience in the same way of, uh, like luchador wrestling can attract different or just the you know, standard american star wrestling there's always going to be like an interest or you know you know the stuff i hate czw and all the hardcore stuff i know that there are more fans of that it's like it's just different styles and you if you want a whole show of it go and see a whole show of it so I think 
it's worthwhile having those separate groups in terms of like everyone being a resting company like i mean it's, it's good to have a mix but there's gonna be, you should still feel that it can be in the yeah, so solar show is all about one particular topic or you know, style of wrestling yeah i think it kind of you know um the reason why we have all female promotions is very simple the fact that there isn't the platform um being given to women in professional wrestling that's why these platforms exist in the first place it's in order to align that balance slightly and that's the aim and accomplishment of like things like even shimmer which you know uh the the history of shimmer in that book by the way uh absolutely terrific so it's last, pretty in depth isn't it <laughs> yeah no I, I mean i thought it was fascinating just like yeah I, I was just yeah i thought it was a terrific piece and it's a shame there's not more shim- shimmer shows and in fact there's less um so yeah that's quite sad anyway um last question uh if there was a sequel in the works so touching upon what we said earlier who would be your dream person to write a section this is from aiden in london uh so i think the big thing that we didn't cover in terms of a topic and also the person that you'd want to just get involved even if it was just to interview them would be stephanie mcmahon so you like when you think of, is there a more powerful woman in the history of professional wrestling than Stephanie McMahon? Um, no, I don't think so. Maybe, oh, I mean, this is controversial. dead, but fabulous Moolah. I guess when you look at like, the stranglehold she had on like the mm. industry, and I think, I mean, we touch on like the history of fabulous Moolah in the book a couple of times and the way that she like dominated and like run a monopoly into the women performers. So I guess we kind of covered that in some ways. But yeah, if, for me, if you could get Stephanie McMahon on record talking about her actual views on women's wrestling and like her role in the industry as the most powerful woman of all time in wrestling, that would be the one to have. Really, imagine imagine getting her to write in there and give us an honest, like, candid at- account of her own history. That'd be a pretty cool one to get. Yeah, I think uh, I think she's a very fascinating individual. Like, you know, obviously very intelligent very um very successful businesswoman in her own right even though you know it's arguably been handed to her i think uh, i think having that account of how she became who she is today within WWE would be very fascinating yeah and if anyone write the chapter on stephanie mcmahon's like biography i'd love to have that in the next edition of the book so that's that's an open opportunity (laughs) uh yeah i don't know uh anyway um thank you for joining me today jason and uh more importantly thank you for creating uh this wonderful celebration of women's wrestling uh and that's what ultimately it should be it's about the celebration of female voice and celebration of you know women's contribution to wrestling and by extending uh by, by extension diversity in pro wrestling so for me it was an absolute pleasure to read i read it over the course of the weekend I never read anything these days over a course of a weekend. Uh, so uh, that's how much I enjoyed uh, reading everyone's different perspective. And I believe people should buy your book. So once again, uh, do you want to plug your book to the listeners? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, to get more information, you can go to womenloverestling.net. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Wrestling London. And the way I sort of talk about the book yeah well that's womenloverestling.net but just go on to amazon wherever you live go to your whatever whatever version of amazon you can use and just look for women like 
link, you'll find the book in digital and physical format options. And yeah, so whatever you'd prefer, you can get it. You can read it for free on Kindle Unlimited at the moment as well. And yeah, we get paid basically for every page you read of the book. So it's a different model there. But it means that you've got like three ways that you can consume the book. So yeah, please go check that out. And we haven't talked about it really on this show, but every penny of profit from the book sales is going to charity. So we're we're supporting women's charities in the UK and the US. That's Rain and Women's Aid. So yeah, all the money we're raising is going to a good cause as well. Yeah, and I think that's like the best part of uh, this. It's not a pro- it's, it's a not for profit. It's uh, every penny goes to those charities. So thank you for joining me on the show. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, that interview, uh, the first one I ever did. So um, uh, very well researched. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was four pages of questions i wrote um so um yeah thank you again jason thank you listener uh if you did like this podcast then please subscribe to us on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcast from uh leave us a five-star review where possible and follow us on social media we're on facebook we're on twitter at holy shoot pod we are on instagram at holy shoot wrestling Although I kind of accidentally locked ourselves out of that account. <laughs> uh, so maybe don't follow that, but definitely follow us on Twitter. We're a bit more interactive there. And yeah, thank you for listening. And that's the bottom line because this pod said so. <laughs>